Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the end. And just thinking like, this is the end. Well, this is what it feels like to die. Like this is, it's hard knowing that it's going to happen and, and there's nothing you could do about it. This part's not in the book because this was really hard to share. But I pulled up my phone and, and I tried to send my wife a few messages to let her know that, uh, you know, like I'm mauled by a bear and it's really bad and, and that I'm going to miss her. Basically, my final goodbyes is I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to die. There's no getting around it. I'm not going to make it out. I'm 12 kilometers from the truck. In August 2017, Jeremy Evans was viciously attacked by a grizzly bear. His face was ripped off, his skull was crushed, one eye was missing in the back of his head, while the other was dangling over his fully exposed broken jaw. This is the story of how he fought off one of the world's most lethal predators three times before fighting for his life to get to safety. A warning. This episode contains graphic and gruesome details that you may find disturbing. This episode is brought to you by AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every morning before I do anything else. I gave AG1 a try because I needed something quick and easy that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional bases every day. I want a better gut health, a boost of energy, immune system support, and I hated taking pills and vitamins. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com forward slash Andy Rowe. That's drinkag1.com forward slash Andy Rowe. Check it out and you'll be supporting this podcast by doing so as well. Hope you enjoy the episode. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. You're a big outdoors guy. You love hunting. Paint us a picture of where you grew up and just sort of set the scene of the countryside of the great outdoors where you, where you live and where you play. So, uh, well, I live in uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I have about a 45-minute drive from the uh, Rocky Mountains. Uh, so the landscape out here in Alberta is... It's kind of very diverse. We go from prairies, badlands, to the foothills, right up into the mountains and the hard rock. I like to play in all those areas <laughs> and chase, chase mule deer down on the prairies on the badlands and then chase sheep up in the mountains. Uh, majority of my hunting or hiking is done in the, in the mountains. What are, you, what are you usually hunting for and, and what, are you, what are you using to hunt? So I usually, I usually hunt for, well, we got white-tailed deer, uh, elk, bighorn sheep. Uh, usually well, hunting kind of takes me all over the place and different times of the year you hunt different species. Uh, so normally the hunt season starts at the end of August and I usually go after bighorn sheep. And most of the time I use a bow and arrow. I try with that or and I bring a rifle just in case uh, for the longer shots. But I'm, most of the time I enjoy bow hunting and prefer to do that. And then come 
early October, I switch over to mule deer and white-tailed deer and possibly some moose. Um, oh, moose. Yeah, we got we got a few running around. They're quite scary, aren't they? Don't they chase after you? Aren't they quite angry? Well, it depends on the situation. When they're in rut, uh, the bulls can get pretty aggressive, and when you call them in, they sometimes would... They come in pretty aggressive and they look for you and um, they, they're kind of blind so they can't really see so they will charge at times. Have you been charged by a moose? Have you been chased by a moose before? <laughs> I've had nothing uh, nothing too serious. I've had them come pretty close and kind of investigate and they're more like a big curious animal. Um, they are quite scary because I mean they're what seven feet tall at the back. You know, big bulls to, is like fifteen hundred pounds kind of thing, so they are kind of scary. You're not shooting them with a bow and arrow, are you? Or are you? Yeah, uh, yeah, really? I hunt them with a bow. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, how does that work? How many how many arrows do you need to take down a moose? Just one, uh, a well placed shot, and the lungs or heart it puts them down pretty quick. Let's say you shoot a moose with an arrow. Does it run for very far? Do you have to chase it until it? Well, I uh, know sometimes uh, when you bow hunt, if you don't hit a bone or anything, the arrow will pass right clean through and they don't know they're hit sometimes. Like they, I've shot moose where they stood there and kind of looked around and then collapsed. Uh, you know, if you hit a bone, they tend to run away and it doesn't usually take long for them to expire, but uh, it, it's quite uh, it's quite effective. So do you butcher it out on the field or like how does that work? <laughs> being such a large animal you gotta take it out in pieces so most of the time i end up deboning the animal on the spot and then taking several trips out like a bull moose is probably four or five trips uh taking it all out in that time don't predators ever get to it or is that a concern uh sometimes it is a concern in the mountains if you're hunting and you shoot a moose you want to get it out fairly quick because there are lots of bears coyotes wolves things like that will get on it when you're hunting on the farmland, you have chance of coyotes, but if you're making trips in and out, they tend to kind of stay away, especially if there's a lot of your scent in the area. That is hardcore hunting. You are married to Joyce, right? Is that your wife's name? That's my wife's name. That's yeah. correct. And, and when you were on your first date with your wife, well, didn't you come across a couple of grizzlies? Yeah, actually the very first time we went, uh, we decided to go hiking and look for a new place to hunt sheep. And this is the area where I got mauled in. Our, on our uh, first trip out there, we ran into two grizzly bears on the trail as we were on you know, first day hiking in. And uh, the bears got a little curious and decided to follow us out. And we, end, and we ended up having to take off. And uh, we found some outfitters that came and helped us. We didn't run. We uh, we backed out, started packing up our camp. And then the bear and the two grizzly bears came wandering down into camp. So we ended up uh, getting out of there pretty quick and found some outfitters that were sending up their their camp, they rode in with horses and uh, got our gear out. What are outfitters? So an outfitter is more like a professional, a professional who takes locals or really anybody out hunting that wants to hunt. So somebody from Australia wants to come hunt uh, here in Canada, they would hire an outfitter and go hunt a certain species with the outfitter. So the professional guide, kind of like a, in Africa, like a PH or tracker kind of thing. Am I right in saying that you had previously also been charged by a, a grizzly before? Can you can you tell me about that? Yeah, so the year before I was charged by a, a uh, very large male grizzly bear, uh, I was hunting mule deer in the area and there were uh, some mule deer bucks that were cutting across the rock face on one of the mountains there. And so I had my bow and I figured I'd run over, run around the backside of the mountain and come down on and cut the deer off and hopefully get a shot off at him. 
as I was doing that, I came around the edge of the mountain and there was a little dip on some nice lush green grass there. And, uh, sure enough, when I came, uh, popping my head over top of the little, of the dip, there was a grizzly bear sitting there munching away and I startled him and he, uh, picked his head up and he was probably about 30 feet away. Took about three steps and he was right in front of me. Uh, I managed to pop my bear spray and spray him and he stopped, you know, 10 feet from me. Uh, and we had a little bit of a standoff and uh, I decided I was going to turn and jump off into the rocks and scrambled up in the into the rocks to get away from him. And well, that worked. <laughs> it's a dangerous place to hunt, essentially. Like, I mean, you don't think so because obviously you keep going out there and you, you love it. But for me and for someone outside of your world you're just like what are you doing out there mate it's there's bears <laughs> we, there are there are you know a lot of bears out there i wouldn't say a lot but there are bears in the area you do see them quite often when you're sitting up on the hillside and you look into some of the drainages and the grassy patches you normally spot bears sitting there hanging out um depends on what time of the year is where the bears will be more located if there's like a big berry patch in the fall, well, you, you just stay out of there because that's where the bears usually like the berries. Or there's like the native turnips on the hillside. So a grizzly bear will hang out on that, eat the native turnips or uh, dig up the roots. There's just certain areas that they generally hang out at certain times of the year. Yeah, and you just try to avoid those. And what are you supposed to do? Because I've heard the theory is that you're meant to stand your ground if a, if a bear charges at you. What's the protocol? Well, it depends on the situation and depends on the type of, uh, the attack. So, uh, or situation. So if it, if a mother has cubs and you stumble into them, they're more likely it's going to be a defense. They're going to, they want to basically neutralize you so they can get away with their cubs. So if a mama charges you in that situation, she got cubs and you surprise them, she's going to come running in. Uh, she's not looking to kill you. She's looking to more just to neutralize the situation and then run off when she feels safe. So in those situations, you'd want to play dead. Now, if you see a bear and he's coming in and he's like locked in, you can tell when they're in like a hunt mode and they're just, they're coming in. It doesn't matter what you're doing. They're, they're looking to bite you. Um, that's more of a, you need to fight back and you know, that's the only way you're going to be able to survive. And you could, kind of tell the differences when you surprise a bear there is just a quick scared reaction when they're coming to eat you you generally they don't hide they just they come in like a freight train they don't try to be sneaky like i've seen videos of grizzly bears i've never seen one in real life but they are massive eh? like they they weigh what would they weigh so a very large grizzly would probably be upwards. I mean, I know in Kodiak Island, they probably get around 1,000 pounds or over 1,000 pounds. So what's that in kilograms? Let me work that out. So 1,000 pounds. 500. 500, so half a, half a ton. Around half a half ton. Half a ton. Half a yeah. ton of muscle. And how fast do they go? Well, they, they can run faster than a horse. So they're quite fast. Faster than a horse. Okay. Okay. And they're pretty agile as well very they don't look like it but uh yeah they're very quick and very agile and they can climb trees right so grizzly bears a young grizzly bear can but no a large grizzly bear can't their claws are uh you know two to three inches long and they can't quite climb to pull up a tree but a young one can they're not great tree climbers all right so we've kind of set the scene so that people kind of know what we're dealing with here and so you were out hunting um let's go back to that day 
Yeah, so on uh, August 24, 2017, uh, the morning I arrived out there to where I hunt, I uh, parked my truck about 2.30 in the morning and grabbed my pack out of the back of the truck through the last little bits rolling around on the back seat into the pack and hopped on my bike and rode in on the moonlight. Uh, the first bit of the trail is like a road and then it turns into more of a horse trail and as you get way farther in the back everything ends and then you're on to the game trails on the in the back and in the rocks rode and hiked in about 12 kilometers this point i got to one of the last drainages you go down a pretty steep drainage you go up the other side it's all rocks and boulders you cross over and you come up to the to the tree line the edge of the tree line and there's scattered uh spruce trees you know one every 10 15 feet and you're hunting so for sheep aren't you yeah i was hunting for sheep uh bighorn my sheep? goal bighorn sheep my goal uh was that i had four days off of work uh, this was on a thursday so I had thursday friday I was supposed to be at work on the monday i was going to do a four-day hunt this is actually the day before sheep season goal was to ride in set up camp find my ram and then uh camp on them on that night and hopefully harvest them the next day and then i got two days to get them out of there right and and can you just can you tell me a little bit about bighorn sheep like because you know where i come from sheep are in paddocks and you don't really hunt them so so t- <laughs> tell me about bighorn sheep so bighorn sheep would be uh like hunting tar and chamois they like it up high the rams especially they try to keep they don't like people they're very hard to hunt very good eyesight in alberta they have to be four-fifths or full-curl ram in order to be legal to hunt. So it's very hard to judge a ram and make sure you get a legal one. Um, the chances of getting a legal ram in Alberta are about a 4%, 4 to 6% success rate. Oh, okay. So it's a tough grind. It is. So once you find the sheep, then you got to find a legal one. And while you're doing that, there's probably 60 to 100 hunters that already know about that ram. They're trying to get that same ram. Oh, so there's quite a crowd <laughs> up there. Not necessarily, um, but sometimes there can be. Sometimes you'll get way in the back and you'll find some sheep and next thing you know it, there's somebody on that hillside below them or behind you or or they're looking at you through their scope. It, at times it can be pretty competitive. And you're all, you're using bows? Well, I, I most of the time I use a bow and arrow. It's quite a challenge because once you find the sheep, they could be two, three miles away and it's like hunting them on an open field because nor- normally sheep, are found on the grassy drainages no trees around or lots of rock so it's a grassy drainage is that like a valley kind of like a valley yep right okay so they're hard to stalk in there like their eyesight's like 10 power binoculars 10 by 50 binoculars so when they see you you're kind of busted it's hard if you've got a bow and arrow Mate, you get on get on the rifle, get the scope out. Well, I spent 17 years in one bear mauling and still haven't uh, harvested my bighorn ram yet. So you got up early, you, you biked all the way back into the backcountry where there was nobody, right? And to do some scouting to try and find this ram, this bighorn sheep that you'd never, never shot in your life. And you spotted some sheep in the distance. Yeah, I was very excited. Uh, actually, that whole summer, I found some. I found a band of rams, and then there was a legal one that I knew was legal. And I've been following them all summer long. I knew where they were every weekend. I was out there, and I found them, followed them around. And so I, I kind of knew where they're going to be. Um, so I come up this last bit of drainage, and I noticed some sheep, and I got pretty excited. I'm like, okay, there's some sheep there. You know, and I'm in the right spot. They're still hanging out here. Couldn't really tell what they were at first. So I was moving them away along the trees, along the edge of the tree line down the trail. 
uh, you know, I'd move 10 feet and look for 10 minutes, kind of slowly watch, see what they're doing. Uh, and they got about, I don't know, hundred feet past the top of the drainage. And I spotted some rams and I got pretty excited and I sitting there, had my elbows on the handlebars on my bicycle, looking through my binoculars, just, uh, to get a nice little stable look. And I was like, Oh, wicked. There's the rams. So I was pretty excited as I was standing there, I brought the binoculars down and, uh, to stretch this little brown thing ran in front of me, just caught a glimpse of it, but I knew right away what it was. Um, in that moment when I seen it, I was like, Oh shit, I'm screwed. Like, <laughs> I knew exactly what it was. Uh, it was a grizzly bear cub and it wasn't very far away, maybe 10 feet. And I knew at that moment I was in a really bad spot. Uh, cause where was mama? Like she had to be close. Uh, and grizzly bears are quite known for this. The cubs usually lead the mother. Uh, and so the mother used tail tails behind and the grizzly cubs kind of wander around. So I'm sitting there thinking, you know, well, I'm in a bad spot. Where's mama? I'm, Reaching down to my pack, this time it was leaning against my frame of my bicycle, reaching down to grab my bear spray, because I was an idiot and it was in the bottom of my pack. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that, I was reaching down trying to grab it, and as I was reaching down to grab it, I heard a branch break over my right shoulder, and I turned my head over my right shoulder, and there was Mama. She was uh, about an arm's reach away, and I knew I was screwed. Uh, she was on a full charge, her right paw stretched out, reaching for me. I could see the whites of her eyes, her mouth slightly open. And like I said, she was less than arm's reach away. I, you know, just your life flashes before your eyes. Uh, I had like a split second to react and like, what do you do in that situation? Right. <laughs> I just, the, the first thing I think of was kind of like a cartoon, you know, just drop something in front of her and step aside and, I just grabbed my bicycle and rolled it right in front of her and uh, stepped aside. Her head went right through the frame of the bicycle and uh, she picked up and turned and looked at me and the bike was on her neck. And she was snapping at me and the first thing I did was grab my pack and I just smacked her right in the face as hard as I could, just shoving in her face trying to push her back. And she shook the bike off and I started beating her over the head with the pack and she managed to grab my right hand and crush it against the frame of the pack. I remember just looking at my hand and seeing her mouth around it, and you could feel her teeth just pushing in between my in between my uh, hand bones, and you could just feel them all splitting and very painful. A bit. She let go, and then I just got real aggressive, started just beating her right over the head. Uh, the backpack I had was a had a metal frame, external frame on it, with two rails on the side, and I was just trying to hit her in the head with that. And I smashed her, I remember just smashing her right in the face, right in the nose. And she grabbed a hold of the backpack and just bit right into it, just shaking it. And it just, it's surreal how strong they are. Like you just, just shaking, moving around like a rag doll. Uh, she let go and she backed away. I figured, you know, I, she got the hint or <laughs> she started, started, she started to back up. I started to back up and I was trying to get my bear spray off out of my pack um, and as I, I just remember trying to unzip it, trying to find the zippers. As I'm doing that, I picked my head up and noticed she was about 30 feet away. She had turned around and she was coming, she was charging in again. Oh God. Uh, and this is what I call the beginning of round two. As she comes charging in, 
I didn't know what to do. I uh, chucked my pack at her, figured, well, she can go and chew on that and hopefully eat my lunch and leave me alone. <laughs> oh, so you, so you threw your weapon away. Yeah, I threw that away. I mean, you just see a freight train coming. It, it, it's scary. Like, what do you do? So I chucked my pack at her and uh, I figured, well, hey, I'm fast enough. I can run up this mountainside and beat her up the hill. And my, my whole objective was to run up this hill and get onto on the higher side of the hill from a tree and then jump off the hill into the tree to get some extra feed in. I mean, there's probably a 60% grade where I was. So I ran maybe 40 meters up the hillside, found a nice tree, jumped into it. And as I'm climbing, jumping into the tree and climbing up, I can just hear her huffing like, and, and you can just like hear her like pounding through the bush. I was about five and a half feet, six feet up into the tree and my right leg was dangling low, was dangling low and I was trying to pull it up and I just remember looking down and seeing her stand up on her hind legs, looking up at me, reaching up with her two paws, grabbing my right leg and I mean, I'm looking down going, holy fuck, like this, this is going to hurt. She grabs her legs around my right leg and she guides it down towards her mouth. And then she kind of like lunged up with her jaws open, clamped right around my right knee. And I just remember seeing her teeth. So her eyes were on the inside of my leg, on the inside side. And uh, her teeth just right around my whole knee. And I just remember just them sinking in. And I'm thinking like, this is going to hurt. But I I didn't feel any pain at the time. I just remember looking down going, wow, why is this like not hurting? Like, And she closed her jaws. And you just hear everything crunch and you can feel it. You heard the crunching of your, your own bones on your, your neck. Um, she didn't crunch any of the bones, but you just hear like, kind of like a dentist on a drill on your teeth. That's what it kind of feels like. Oh. That sensation. Yeah, got it. And then she just yanked me down. Just one little yank of her head. Pulled me right out of the tree like nothing. I mean, all those strength in the world, I couldn't have held myself up. I came crashing down through the tree branches. Uh, I hit the ground pretty hard, and I figured, you know what, I'm going to crawl underneath the ball, underneath the spruce tree, and hopefully the spruce brows protect me from her. I wrapped my arms and legs around the tree, was laying on my right side, curled up in a ball around the base. Her paws were in there digging away at me, trying to roll me over, and you could feel them ripping in my shoulder and ripping in my side. Uh, the spruce brows were kind of helping. She wasn't able to get a good grab at me. It almost seemed like she got frustrated, and she reached in with her mouth, grabbed me on the left side, kind of in the stomach uh, where the love handles are, and just chomped down and shook her head and threw me about six feet. She had, So she had her jaw wrapped around the side of your torso, kind of where your love handles are, and it was like shaking you like a like a dog shakes like a, a toy. Like a rag doll. Yeah. Just shook, and then I remember hitting the ground really hard, and it was about six feet or so that I got thrown. Uh, I hit the ground, I hit it hard and I'm dazed. I'm trying to catch my breath because it knocked the wind right out of me. And I'm laying on my right side again and I'm trying to curl up into a ball and, you know, protect your head and neck and uh, play dead. So as I'm laying there, she was on top of me before I can take a breath. She was instantly right there and you just feel her force, her face. You can just smell her just like a wet dog and horse smell all kind of together. They don't, they don't smell oh. too good. She's on top of me. And I'm laying on my right side, curl up in a ball. So I got this bear skull here just to kind of demonstrate. Her top two teeth 
uh, canine teeth caught me just on the on either side of the left eye. So her one tooth caught me right in the corner of the nose and eye, right in the tear duct. And she crunched down, crushing the whole left side of my face from my eye all the way down to my lower jaw. She took that bite and I remember just, you could feel the teeth, you could feel everything just crunching. It's like take a ice tray and you try to crack the ice out of it. And you can just feel that pressure inside and things just popping and everything's just being ripped apart. So she took that one bite and I'm just sitting there like, fuck this playing dead. Like this sucks. Like getting chewed on sucks when you're playing dead. I don't know how people can do it. So you were playing dead at this stage. You thought, oh, she'll just leave me alone. If she thinks she's killed me, she'll leave me alone. Yeah. Um, and so she took that bite and I was like, wow, this really sucks. So I rolled over to my back. She was standing kind of over me. Her uh, left paw was kind of by my right shoulder and her back legs were on my right side. I rolled over and I started punching her in the face with my right arm, hitting her in the nose, pushing my fingers in her nose, poking her eyes, grabbing her ear, just trying to deter her from biting me in the face. She was snapping at my hand. Uh, you know, I managed to get it away. And then she got it. And then she come down to bite me in the face a second time. And as she was coming down, it just seemed like a perfect moment. Her mouth was wide open. It was in a, like a perfect spot for me to punch into her mouth. And my thought was if you grab, was to grab her by the tongue, uh, at least prevent her from biting you. Like if you grab a dog by the tongue, they can't really close their mouth or bite you. So I figured maybe that's the same way, you know, give it a shot. Mm. So I punched my left hand into her mouth and I just remember my hand sliding down her tongue. You could feel it was like leather and you feel the bumps and then you could feel like the scars and the center ridge of the tongue as my hand slipped, my fingers slipped right down, almost down to her throat. I wrapped my thumb, index finger, and ring finger around her tongue and uh, shoved my other two fingers down her throat. When I did that, she made like a gagging sound. She's <clears throat> and was like choking almost. Uh, at this time, her back legs have now moved. Her claws were digging into my abdomen on the right side. And that was quite painful. And I had my hand in her mouth. And uh, I just remember when she was closing her mouth... Looking at my arm, her mouth was about halfway down my forearm. I could see her nose, and I remember feeling her teeth just puncturing my uh, pinky knuckle there, and I could just feel all that crunch and pop in her mouth as she closed it. And her claws were digging in the right side. And I'm trying to push her hind end off of me, you know, claws digging in, and my hand slipped and it hit the belly. And I could tell it was the belly at the time because there's less hair, a little thinner. And I slid my hand up the belly and grabbed a nice piece of fleshy skin. Uh, I thought it was balls at the time. I twisted and pulled. And when I grabbed it, she started, she made like a squeal like a pig. She's like, and when I twisted and gave her a good yank, it sounded like a pig squealing, but a really deep, deep pig squeal, like really deep. And she was choking at the same time and just squealing like a pig. And she's frankly like bucking around. Uh, so then I let go, my hand slid out of her mouth and she ran back the way she came just, and I remember her defecating, just, you could just smell it in her stench. She just defecated and, and ran back the way she came. I immediately stood up right away thinking, well, that really sucked. Dusted myself off and, but you know, I beat up a bear. <laughs> there you go. Story for the grandkids. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, that, that sucked, right? Like let's, let's go see how bad it was. Well, I walk over to my pack and at, not, at this point in time, I didn't feel like nothing really happened. I wasn't in any kind of pain, you know, a little bit, uh, but I didn't really know the extent of my injuries. 
my ligaments all at the right knee were severed right at the knee. But at, at this point in time, like I said, I was so pumped up on probably adrenaline and everything. I, I didn't notice it. And I was just, I walked through my pack. I grabbed it, pulled it up, leaned against this rotten stump or rotten log. And I pulled it out and opened up my phone. And I took a picture of my face, of the selfie. And the selfie's in the book and you can look at it and you can see that, you know, whole left side of my face. I've seen it. hanging down. I've yeah, seen it. I, it, like, it. I don't, yeah, I don't mean to be horrible, but. It, I look pretty good. It, it was, it doesn't look like a face. <laughs> that you, you don't know what you're looking at. I showed my wife and she didn't know the context of what I was reading. And she was like, what is that? Like, it doesn't look like a face. It's remarkable seeing you now. It's just crazy. But that photo maybe one of the most horrific photos we've ever seen so i'm i'm sitting there looking at this picture or looking at you know looking at my phone looking at this going wow well it's not that bad i'm leaning against the stump thinking like well this sucks now i gotta go back out you know we'll go back home and deal with all this and so i'm sitting there leaning against the stump and i got my gun out i brought my gun on this trip because it was a short hunt so i got my gun i'm leaning against this rotten log the gun's butt of the gun's on the ground it's leaning against my left shoulder I had the clip in my right hand and I'm trying to push shells in my left hand. I remember just putting it in, just thinking, fuck, this sucks. Like, you know, and I've probably been sitting there 78 minutes without seeing the bear and thinking, well, she's gone, you know, and I'm just loading up this gun thinking, fuck, what do I do? As I'm doing that, my hands, everything went numb. They dropped to the side. I heard the sound of uh, like an ice breaking, you taking a tray of ice. She had come back at this point in time. She had grabbed me by the back of the skull, the back of the head. That sound of crunching, this was my skull being crunched in her mouth. And I remember seeing her paws, her front paws, in the ground beside me, just pushing into the ground, into the dirt. And she was just heaving, dragging me back. Like when you're playing with a dog with tug-of-war, how they kind of spread, get down low, and their legs are in the ground. And she was just, just dragging me back in like nothing. She drug me a little ways. I'm not sure how far. It seemed like it was forever. When uh, we finally stopped, I was sitting up on my butt, but I was like paralyzed, kind of hunched over, leaning against her front legs. I just remember seeing her, one of her paws come across the front side of my face and grab me, reaching over my right side of my head and caught me on the lower left side of the jaw and she peeled all the skin across my face, sweeping across my nose, across my right eye. All the way on the right side, just peeling back all the skin and everything off my face, all the way up the right side. One fell swoop. I just remember her claws just digging in. You could feel them scratch against the bone and pulling right across my nose and just, like I said, ripping and peeling everything off. It seemed like she had her head sideways and she was gnawing on the back of my head like a dog, how they just sit there and they chew and crunch on a bone. And she's just gnawing on my head and you could just feel it. The sensations like going when you go to the dentist and they grind your teeth or and they're pulling on it, you got the forceps on there and you can hear it cracking and everything breaking. Just that pressure. And then she grabbed with her other paw, grabbed on the left side and was just ripping things off and just like just you could just feel everything being removed and a little bit of pain. Uh a little bit I, of pain. I couldn't really a little bit of pain. Everything happened so fast. You know, she did the swipe with her two paws there and chewing on my head. I'm going to say that whole time her doing that was probably 30 seconds. Just just going to town. I, I thought it was leaning against her or leaning against something. Uh, she must have moved. I fell back and I remember hitting the ground. 
and it kind of felt like an energizing moment. Like I can feel things. My arms, I could feel my arms. When I fell back, she was now standing over top of me. I could just tell she was there. You could just had like a sixth sense of her, her belly being over top of me. I couldn't really see my left. My, at this point in time, my left eye was actually pulled out of the socket. The eye socket was broken and it was just hanging there. Uh, my right eye was pulled back into my skull. Actually, I thought she had ripped off my whole right eye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I couldn't really see. I just remember looking up and just seeing like a dark thing in, above me and kind of like the light on the sides. I reached up and uh, her belly was right there and I reached up with both hands and uh, grabbed another fleshy part of skin, you know, I thought it was balls, but I grabbed it with both hands, twisted and pulled. And when I did that, she started to jump around. I uh, then ended up wrapping my legs around her head and neck and kind of locked him in like a UFC fighter and just was, and whatever I had my hands, I was trying to rip off. You went full MMA on her. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever I had, I was really trying to rip off. You know, I could just feel in my hands. I can just feel the give in the skin. And, and the harder I pulled, the more she tossed around the mountainside, the more she moved around. She was bucking like a Bronco and started running in circles and she was rolling around and whatever I had, like I said, I was trying to rip off. I got to a point where you could tell she was just frantically running around in circles and making a lot of noise and I could feel my back skimming across the ground. She was moving quite fast and so I let go and she just defecated all over me, running down the mountainside. And she just disappeared. I couldn't see. You know, I'm laying there. I'm kind of dazed. I know relatively where I am on the hillside. And I knew she drug me up the hill. And if I was going to find a trail, I had to crawl down the hill. I remember touching my face and trying to look forward. Uh, had to like hold my eye in the hand and kind of tilt it back up so I can see. Or lean my head way back. Just the wow. way my eye was hanging out. I was feeling my forehead inside my face. And... And I was like, well, where's my right eye? Like, where is it? I can't feel it. And you just feel like bone everywhere. And uh, there's just pieces of face just hanging down and kind of all over. And I tried to stand up and I couldn't. My right leg was in just an immense pain. Uh, I couldn't put no pressure on it. I uh, crawled down the hill and I found the trail. And I managed to find my gear right away. I found my gun. It was like one of the first things I found was my gun. I remember just feeling around. You could feel like the barrel. and Okay, there it is. And then uh, reach into my pocket, try to grab a shell to put it in the gun. 
but my fingers are going all different ways and my hand has some pretty big holes in it and I couldn't see. So I was trying to get a shell into the chamber of the gun, but I didn't have the clip in it. So if you put the shell in it, just fall where the clip went. And if you can see and got good hand-eye coordination, you'd be able to drop it right in the chamber, close the bolt and you'd be able to fire. But I couldn't get it and I was starting to panic. I was frantically, where is it? Where's the clip? You know, I'm screwed. And as I'm feeling around on the hillside, crawling around, feeling around, uh, the first thing I found was uh, a chunk of my face. I could feel the coarseness of the hair, and uh, it felt like kind of like a worm, almost like your lips. Um, I found it, my uh, mustache and goatee, kind of a chunk of that. On the ground? On the ground. And I'm feeling around, and I found another piece of flesh. You know, you could tell it's just, you could tell it was flesh anyways. <laughs> I found another chunk and I found a piece that was like my ear cartilage, you know, stiff kind of feeling. And so, so I found all these pieces of my face. So you, you, these things that felt like flesh, what did it feel like? How did you recognize it, what it was? Well, when you, uh, shoot an animal and you got a hide and it's very flesh hide, you could feel like it's almost like a wet feeling, but floppy, like a wet towel. Right. Okay. And, and you could feel the one side is smooth, like your skin and the other side kind of greasy or wet. Oh my god! It's like uh, you know how a hide's got like that silver skin on it, like a little slippery, like a membrane almost. Right. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for being descriptive. <laughs> no, that's a great description. You're really painting a picture. Okay. Cool. So you, you found your mustache. You found your ear. And uh, and I found this other chunk. I don't know what it was, but I kept it. I mean, it looked like it looked like a piece of my face. Um, <laughs> you know you're just feeling with your fingers trying to figure out what it is like should you keep it or not so i got a pile in one hand and i'm feeling around you know i got a pile of my face in my left hand and i'm feeling around my right and i found uh the clip which is a little small metal piece you know i pick it up and i'm like oh yes and then i slammed into my gun and the first dark thing around me got three rounds that's all the clip carries so Sorry about the interruption. If you or your company are wanting to start your own podcast, reach out to Podrow Productions now for a free consultation. We do everything from helping formulate the idea to the production and distribution. Just email andy at podrowproductions.com for more information. I just shot three times at the closest thing that looked dark. You know, I found and I got to my pack and I started opening up my pack. I was panicking, like, what do you do? You know, I got pieces of my face, I'm... Um, you know, so many thoughts are going through your head at this time. And, and I really didn't know what to do. And in reality kind of set in, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm in a real bad situation. Mm. Now reality just sunk in. Like, I'm going to die here. Like, this is it. This, you, you don't survive this. Like, how do you survive? There's just blood pouring out of everything. And then got real calm and real slow. And you're just sitting there thinking, wow, what, you know, what, what do you do? It, it, this is the end and just thinking like this is the end well this is what it feels like to die like this is it's hard knowing that it's going to happen and and there's nothing you could do about it um and uh this part's not in the book because this was really hard to share but i pulled up my phone and and i tried to send my wife a few messages to let her know that uh you know i got mauled by a bear and it's really bad and and that i'm gonna miss her basically my final goodbyes because I'm, I'm thinking you know i'm I'm going to die. There's no getting around it. I'm not going to make it out. I'm 12 kilometers from the truck. This is the, the area was the steepest part of the trail was there. And I had to climb down the drainage and up the other side. And there's no way I was going to make it out. Heck, I mean, I couldn't even see. I couldn't even stand. 
And so I figured, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to end it the way I want to end it. So I, uh, you know, text my wife my final goodbyes. I take care of my daughter and, you know, her daughter and uh, tell my wife that I love her. And so I uh, load up my rifle and uh, I put the butt of the gun against the ground between my legs and I put my chin on the barrel and I pulled the trigger and uh, uh, the gun didn't go off. It just clicked. So I reached down and I cycled the bolt again and the and, uh, barrel was off the side of my head. And when I cycled the bolt, I hit the trigger and the gun went off and it just sent a bullet just inches from my face. That scared me. I was just thinking like, well, what the hell was I thinking? You know, where I was, no one was going to find me. Uh, there was hardly anybody that goes back there. Like I owed it to my wife and daughter that to at least try just to not give up right there and to make it somewhere where they're going to find me, where they're going to find the body. So I made a conscious decision at that point in time that I was just gonna I was gonna try to make it somewhere. I was gonna try to make it across the drainage where more people go, try to make it to the main trail so at least somebody would find the body. Uh, so I grabbed uh, one of my shirts. I was in the spread across the ground there and I put it on upside down with the neck of the shirt around my kind of where my eyebrows are and I folded the body of the shirt open and I figured heck I'm gonna take the pieces of my face and throw them on there just so I can. When they find me, show them what I went through and more or less try to prove that I, you know, I tried. I fold the shirt over the pieces of my face, layered in, and I tied the uh, the sleeves underneath my chin. Um, I just My jaw was hanging down on the left side. I, all my teeth exposed, my gums, and it was just flopping there. So I tied the knot underneath my chin to help hold my jaw up. And I tied two knots on the back of my neck just to help hold my head straight. And then uh, I got my phone out and just told my wife that uh, I'm going to try to make it to the truck and, and that I probably will die along the way, but I'm going to try. Uh, so then I tried to stand up and I couldn't stand. Um, every time I'd put weight on my right leg, I'd just topple over. And on the first 10 feet, I fell probably well over 100 times. I couldn't get, I couldn't get any movement, couldn't even get up. Uh, when I finally did, I got to my feet and was using the gun as a cane you go to take a step and, and uh, you try to move my right leg, but it wouldn't move. It just, like you're telling it to move and it just wouldn't move. So you had to, had to kind of like shuffle or slide it forward and take a short step on my left. So I finally got going. But where I was, was at the top of this drainage. And this is the steepest part of the trail. It goes down about 400 feet, 300, 300, 400 feet down the drainage. You get to the bottom, there's a creek there. And then you could cut across the drainage and head up the other side. Well, I made it about 100 feet down the drainage. I lost my footing and I tumbled, I fell forward and just rolled snowball effect. I rolled all the way down the trail, along the edge of the drainage, in and then into the drainage and then down the drainage, just tumbling head over heels and just falling all over the place. I fell probably 300 feet uh, right down all through the boulders and I got tangled up in the boulders right along next to a creek at the bottom and I'm laying in there and I just in so much pain. I just, I couldn't hardly move anything. Everything hurt. Um, everything hurt. And I was just laying there thinking, oh, I, this is it. Like, this is as far as I'm going to make it. Um, I, there's nothing I could do. Like, my gun was all wrapped around. The sling was all wrapped around my head and my arm. And I was just laying there. And, and like I broke down, I, I just said, well, this is it. Oh. So I pulled up my phone again and I sent one last goodbye to my wife. Uh, the message read, I tried. Um, so I 
was sitting there and, uh, you know, so many thoughts rolling through your head at this time. You know, I was never going to see my daughter again. And she was only eight months old at the time. I was never going to see her grow up, you know, graduate. Never going to be able to walk her down the aisle, you know, all that good stuff. And uh, I was never going to see my wife again. Uh, I mean, I met her in high school. She was my first true love. I was never going to see her again. Man. So, you know, all these thoughts are racing through your head. And um, just to help calm them down, I wanted to play some music just so I can relax. So, as I'm going through trying to hit the, you know, I had an iPhone and... Uh, um. I was going through trying to hit the, the phone or the the music app and and it ended up playing uh, the song that I played the night before. I was playing my daughter while putting her to bed. Uh, the song was Baby Shark, so that come on. and Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that could, this, this, this story could go either way at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could just give up right there and then. So, so Baby Shark comes on and I'm laying there and, it, and it's, yeah, like you said, it's kind of ironic. It could go either way. Um, the, and the song was on repeat. So You're done. You're done. I, I'm done. So I'm laying there, you know, and the, and the song's on repeat. And then I just, I'm not sure if it's because the song was on repeat and I just wanted to get away from it or the fact that I wanted to, you know, see my family again. And uh, I, I just I just remember listening to it. And I just reached up to the first rock, the first boulder in front of me. and remember grabbing that and just dragging myself across. And then, you know, I can make, I could reach the next one. And I just pull myself up just a little bit. And uh, I just kept setting these little mini goals. Like, I'm going to reach that rock. Okay, I got enough strength. Let me see if I can make it to that one. And I would reach that rock and I'd just take a deep breath, you know, and just kind of like, okay, that wasn't so bad. Maybe I can go to the next one. Uh, and I started to pull myself up this drainage two three hundred feet i had to pull myself up to get to the trail and i remember just reaching for every rock and just dragging my lifeless body up <laughs> every every little stump every little stick even every little shrub you get to it and it's just like it was so painful and just so just sucking all the energy out of me just trying to pull myself through the brush and uh but i mean after i achieved each one of those little mini goals i just it just gave me more and more power and like I can do this, I can keep going, I can make it to the top of this drainage. And I got to the top of the drainage and uh, onto the trail. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm okay. You know, I'm exhausted. I'm still beat up. I'm in a lot of pain. But maybe I can make it ten more feet down and make it to that next tree there. So it's just like <laughs> one rock, like one rock at a time. And you've got like twelve kilometers until to get to the truck. Well, twelve kilometers. 12 yeah, kilometers. at the bottom of this here, probably eleven, eleven and a half or so to get to the truck. So I got to the top of the drainage and there's more trees, more like poplar trees and that and uh, little saplings. And I managed to pull myself up to a standing position in there. And I just remember sitting there kind of wobbling and, you know, I got my gun as kind of the cane. I'm holding to these saplings and I'm just trying to figure out well, I can, you know, how far I can make it. Can I make it to that next tree? There's more of an opening there, you know, it's a nice sunny spot. Maybe somebody's going to see me and. I mean, that's a great place and I'd make it to that spot and think okay well I have enough energy you know, I could make it a little bit further down the trail let's let's get to the next drainage you know there's more people that go to that drainage looking for sheep than where I'm at and so I make it to the next drainage and it's just as bad as the other one it goes down pretty steep this one's actually a lot steeper less less boulders in it just more mud and like a shale kind of rock I get to that and uh 
at least I was smart enough to lean into the hill and I fell over, but I didn't fall down to the bottom. I only fell like 10, slid about 10 feet and I crawled across that and I got up on the other side of this drainage was the main trail where a lot of people go, they stop there, glass for sheep. And I got to there and I was excited because this is a lot of people go here. So I have a high chance of somebody finding me. I just kept working my way down the trail, hoping I'd run into somebody. I remember that morning when I came in, there was an outfitter's camp and there's usually an old, an old guy sitting there. He'd be sitting there in the mo- at two in the morning with his binoculars out, watching sheep in the moonlight, drinking his coffee. That's just how he was. <laughs> he'd always see me and he had his little notebook. I'm like, where are you going hunting? And he'd write it down. And I was thinking, well, you know, their, their camp is well still quite a ways away, but they might, they might be in the area looking for sheep and I might run into them. And also not far from where I was, there was a, a camp I rode past in the morning where there's these two cowboys sitting at a fire and one had like this Lanny McDonald mustache that kind of curled up on the sides all nice and waxed. I remember him sitting there around the campfire with a coffee in hand looking at me as I rode past my bicycle and I think you can see looking at his face like what was that crazy guy doing right like he just (laughs) (laughs) and they weren't far from where the main trail they were probably about two kilometers down for where I was right now and I was like okay I can make it to there those guys can help me out or maybe they're coming in here looking for sheep and they can help me out um so I'm fumbling down this trail and and I can't talk my jaw is hanging down I can only grunt and make weird sounds and so I'm getting down to where these cowboys were and uh, there's nothing there. Like I couldn't see into the trees very far. The trail, they're, they weren't more than five feet off the trail and I'm stumbling down, kicking rocks, you know, trying to make as much noise as possible. I had my rifle, I fired a couple shots, nobody came out and I was just devastated. I was like, wow, these guys are gone. I mean, their tent wasn't even there anymore. They must have been packing up when I rode past them and I was devastated and I got, it just was like one thing after another, you know, you just, you think there's somebody there to help you and then there's nothing. And then you like, then you just lose all this hope again. And, and, oh, and so I, you know, okay, well I'm going to make it to the, the outfitters tent where I know those guys are, they're always there every year at this time of year, they're always there. And I got to the outfitters camp and I was pretty excited, you know, like, okay, there's going to be somebody here. Mm. Uh, they had an electric fence around the place to keep the bears out. I remember opening that up and coming to the first set of canvas tents and it just a awful deadly silence in there. I got to the first tent and I opened it up expecting somebody to be there and, and there's nobody there. I go to the second tent, open it up and there's nobody there. It's just empty. Oh no. And the second tent has like most of their horse gear and piles of wood. And the first one was kind of like the main tent. They had like a picnic table and sleeping bags in there. So I went back to the first tent and I was just like, what the, like, where are they? You know, they got to have a sad phone in here or radio, something that I can contact help with. So I'm panicking, looking through things. And they had this huge white cabinet, probably four feet by four feet, two feet deep. And it had a, a fancy gate lock where you had to like turn it and fold this tab open. Well, I couldn't get my fingers around to turn it. And I was, I just said, screw it. I grabbed the cabin on the corner and I knocked it over, hoping it would break open. And it broke open and all these cans of food rolled across the floor. And there was this little black thing about the size of like a flip phone. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever had mic phones, like an old flip phone that had a radio part to it. You can call it on a radio or use oh, it like, like a, a set like phone. Yeah. So there's this little, this brown leather pouch came out and I was like, oh, that's, 
that's the phone. And so I'm just trying to remember formally opening it up and it was a, it ended up being a big jumbo Leatherman with the little pliers and like a Swiss army knife. Oh, fuck. And so I'm like, this sucks. And I'm just rumbling through the <laughs> rubbish and stuff. And, and I just devastated, right? Um, you know, I'm at this camp and I'm at this point in time, I'm starving. I'm exhausted. I'm tired, dehydrated, like I'm broken down and, the the can the cans of food are rolling around and um there's these triangle shaped cans and i don't know if you guys have them out there but uh triangle shaped cans of ham spam and i stick my fingers in grab it and the side of my jaw is all open and i just remember sitting on the kind of the back of my tongue corner of my mouth through the side of your face to the side of my face and just letting it kind of dissolve and run down my throat and it tasted really good like i was it was good it was good ham oh that's good this is a win so i got this can of ham and i'm sitting there and i'm just like try, chowing down on it um they had a picking table there, so I got, i'm sitting at the picking table i got my ham there and i uh, found some juice boxes they had sitting there so i grabbed a few of them put the straw and i'm squirting it inside my mouth you know trying to drink and washed on some ham and again you're, you're doing that through the side of your face through the side of my face yeah uh, so they had these bounty sheets there on the table, and I started wrapping them around my face. Just kind of stopped the bleeding. So I was holding my jaw in my hand and trying to fold up my skin kind of back on my face. And as I was holding it, uh, my jaw kind of clicked in. Uh, it must have been dislocated or something. And I remember, you know, you just feel a pop, and, oh, I can kind of chew now. I kind of move my mouth a little bit. So I'm holding up a piece of my face, and I'm wrapping this bounty sheets and toilet paper around my face to stop the bleeding. And then I was going back to eating. And then I found some tape and I ended up taping the bounty sheets to my face and taping my fingers up my hand, trying to stop the bleeding so I can eat in peace. I'm sitting there just thinking like, what should I do? Should I maybe try to find the outfitters on the trail? Maybe they're just coming in or, and then I figure, you know what the hell with it? I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. Let's see what happens, right? How far did you have to go to your truck? Uh, at this point in time, I was still another five, six K away from the truck. Okay. Okay. Got you. I'm about halfway out. Okay, and the uh, terrain? The terrain here is uh, more like a, an old two-rut road, uh, heavily grown in. So not too bad. But uh, you're going to back yourself. They had uh, some Sharpies and uh, some paper there, so I I, I was going to write them a note. I felt pretty bad. I mean, I mean the camp was an absolute disaster. There was blood over the place, and I knocked everything over. And So I wrote a little it. note. I trashed it, yeah. I wrote a little note to them just apologizing for making a mess, you know, and who I was. I got mauled by a bear and anyway, sorry for the mess. The backside I know gets a little darker where, you know, let my wife know, let her know I tried because at this point in time, I still didn't think I was going to make it. I mean, I lost so much blood and everything. Like it was just blood everywhere. Um, so I get to the last part of the trail. You get across a creek and it was like ankle deep, not a big deal. I'm about 2K from the truck, 2.5K. I can only see my feet, so I'm just shuffling up this hill, slowly getting up this hill. And, and I remember just shuffling my feet. And I was like, oh my God, I'm at the top of the hill. Like, I'm I'm, I'm a kilometer from my truck. I'm going to make it. Very exciting moment for me. So I get to my truck, and I first thing, I just push the driver's side mirror out of the way so I couldn't see my face. I opened up the truck, and I took off the rear rear mirror, just bent it right out of the way. And I started up the truck, and I remember putting my hands on the steering wheel, looking out the windshield, and I was like, fuck, where's the end of the hood? Like, I remember, like, I can't see it. So I rolled down the window, my driver's side window, and I'm looking down, looking out, and I can't tell where the ground starts. And I'm thinking, well, fuck, now I'm in my truck, where, where, where am I going to go? What do you do? Like, 
I mean, I can't, I can't drive. What's the road out like? Pretty bad gravel road. Um, it's about, you know, 30 clicks until you get to the main gravel road. There's quite a few drop-offs on the side along the cliffs. And there's like a guardrail, well, not really a guardrail, steel posts in the ground with cable strung in between. Just right. a real bad oil well road, which just like a car wouldn't be able to make it down kind of thing. And I just remember looking out the window, looking out the windshield and I could see like dark fuzzy green on either side of, on either side and a light spot. And I figured the light spot was the middle of the road. Uh, I was just guessing. I got to a place called Panther River Resort. Drove right up to the uh, patio and parked my truck there, got out, walked up the ramp. And uh, I just remember as I'm walking around to the main door, I see this small shadow of like a kid at the window just disappear. And it was about the same time as opening up the uh, front door of the lodge. And I just hear this kid's voice going, Grandma, Grandma, someone's trying to play a prank. Like, it legitimately looked like a zombie walking in, you know, all hunched back over, you know, blood everywhere and... Um, and I was just like, no, I just need some help. Like I can kind of mumble and you somewhat understand what I'm saying. And these two ladies and they're looking at me like, Oh my God, like, what can we do for you? And, uh, I asked for a glass of medium temperature water with no ice and a straw. Did you actually, that's the first thing I asked for was a medium temperature water, glass of water with no ice and a straw. I'm like, I just need some help. And um, they're, they're kind of, first they were panicking. They're, you know, running around. One of them went to go call 911. The ambulance, uh, 911, the ambulance didn't know where we were or how to get to me. The stars at the time, the helicopter service was, uh, unavailable. They were on another call. It, it was a scary kind of situation to be in. Like you said, it was a total shift. I spent, you know, the whole last seven, eight hours fighting for my life. And now here I am, I got to trust other people and trust that they make the right judgment call. Right. Uh, so after about a half hour or so sitting there, um, one of the ladies comes over and says, we got a helicopter is coming. We're a helicopter will be here in like 30 minutes. And so I was like, okay, sweet. That's pretty good. So the helicopter lands and, um, they walk me over to the helicopter and I get in and there's this big blue tarp spread across the back seat of it. So I'm in the seat, you know, and we take off and everybody's got these big muffs on and I go, I don't have them. So I can't tell what's going on. And you know, you need some ears to be able to hear. We land, the helicopter door opens. And I remember I turned and looked and I said, hi, the person opened the door and that's when shit hit the fan. People started to panic. Like, I mean, they just went, everybody just scattered. And I felt these two little arms come underneath my armpits and onto my chest and pulled me out the back of the helicopter. This little nurse, maybe five foot four, hundred pounds soaking wet, just grabbed me like nothing and drug me out of the helicopter. And I'm, I'm 6'2", 250 pounds at this time. Anyway, she grabs me, sweeps me up, throws me in the on the gurney and uh wheels me in and uh and the emergency room is all of one bed with a couple curtains i mean there's this hospital is very tiny they didn't know what to do with me um so they're in there poking and prodding at me and i'm fighting with them because they want to take off my just my tourniquet and stuff off my head to see what the damage is and i'm fighting them telling them no and they didn't know what to do and uh you know this is a little over their heads or what they could do for me so uh they just threw me in an ambulance and then shipped me off to my hometown, Calgary, to the Foothills Hospital, where uh, they're a little more equipped to handle these situations. And then they started to fix you up. So the uh, first surgery they did the first night was probably about 13 hours, where they uh, stitched up my hands, the ligaments in my right leg, and they put a majority of my face together. 
What did the doctors say about, obviously you dressed your wounds to an extent, so that process that you went through of finding your flesh on the ground back at the accident site and then taping everything to the side of your head with your shirt, what what did the doctors say about that process and, and what effect that had? Um, they said it was a really smart thing to do. The keeping the pieces of my face on the blood flow actually is what kept a lot of things alive and being able to fold everything that was still attached up and wrap it up, kept things alive and had blood flow. When I tied the tourniquet underneath my chin and on the back of my head, it helped keep my head straight. So I didn't break my neck cause everything was all severed on the back of my neck too. A lot of the muscles and then the artery that goes into your head by your ear i actually had that pretty much tied off so it didn't burst and cause me to bleed to death i was very lucky very very lucky lucky. after the second surgery it was quite a break in between before the next one they put me into a private room because i was suffering from nightmares and flashbacks right away Uh, from in the icu every time i'd fall asleep or close my eyes i'd wake up to a bear tune on me and it was like every 15, 20 minutes. Every single time you close your eyes, you'd fall yeah. asleep, you'd get that same nightmare. Same nightmare. Uh, it was just constant. And my wife would sit there at the foot of the bed, not knowing what to do. And if they, you know, when I'd start to thrash around um, and they would try to restrain me down. And of course, you know, I'd thrash even more and it'd get worse until they wake you up. The and bear. Then, yeah. And then you're confused and you're totally lost. My wife, you know, hopeless. Like, what do you do, right? Uh, so she would squeeze my left foot. That was the only thing that was exposed and that didn't have any injuries or a cast on at this point. So she was squeezing my left foot because she just felt like she didn't know what to do, right? She didn't want to touch me anywhere because I'd freak out. And, mm-hmm. and if she touched my foot, I wouldn't do anything. So she'd squeeze my foot. And one of my good friends saw this, who's a social worker, and he kind of put two and two together and said, when he's having those nightmares, squeeze his feet and tell him he's in a safe place. So from day one, they were training my body to react, to calm down by squeezing my feet and telling me in a safe place. And that actually helped very much so because they'd be able to take me out of a nightmare instantly with doing that. Uh, in the hospital, I had a couple therapists and we did lots of work with, uh, you know, try to get help with the nightmares or look in the mirror the first time. Like it took me three weeks yeah. for me to be able to look into the mirror. Talk me through that process because... That would have been quite a moment. I was pretty nervous about it because I thought, you know, I had like all fake pieces in my face and I was missing everything because for the first little bit, I couldn't see anything. My eyes were always swollen shut. Um, My face was all bubbly and they had all these drains coming out and the nurses would come in and pick and pull at scabs and pull staples out for hours and hours. So I had to ask for psychiatric help right away to help with the nightmares and to help with, you know, trying to get over what I looked like. I worked with a therapist every day for a couple hours every day. We had a planned event to uh, look into the mirror so I could get what I wanted to what I look like. Um, that day, the nurses trimmed my hair, and it was all growing kind of funny because they shaved it off in spots. So they trimmed my hair, they cut my mustache and goatee up, they shaved my face. My wife bought me a real nice uh, plaid shirt because I like wearing plaid, and so they dressed me up for this occasion. Um, the doctor came in and uh, she was at the foot of the bed. It's a little hand mirror, not a very big mirror. And she asked me if I was ready. And I had all my friends there. And then some of the nurses were there too to help me with this part, just as support. She held the mirror up at the foot of the bed. And it was up to me 
if I wanted to get closer. So, of course, there's a little tiny mirror. You can't see much. So I'm like, okay, come closer, come closer. And finally, the mirror, you know, is at my knees, and I can't, I can't, still can't see very far. You know, everything's still somewhat blurry, but I can tell. I remember I grabbed a mirror, and I was looking at it going, wow, that's actually not that bad. Did you go back to the scene? I uh, yes, I've been back to the scene several times. How was that? Like it must have been pretty. Uh, the first time when we flew in there with helicopter and arrived there, that was uh, pretty um, pretty hard to go through. Uh, like I remember where I was standing, you know, first round the stump or the log I was leaning against. I kind of remember where the tree was that I climbed, but I don't remember what tree it was. When we got to the spot, I remembered what I recalled what tree it was. So I was, you know, wide awake. I remember the whole scene. Um, when I uh, walked in there with my wife, I was explaining, I was telling her where I was, where I fell, and, you know, like the rocks I pulled up on. Like, I remember every every inch of that trail. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. Where, where can people find out more about you and, and about your book? So you can uh, purchase the book on my webpage, grizzlydude.ca. I do do worldwide shipping, and every copy bought from me, you get a cool bookmark with one of my fancy sayings on there, like you can bear it, or not all teddy bears are friendly, because you got to have fun with it. Best of luck, mate. Yeah, and thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I thank you very much, Andy. This was fun. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to, and give us a share on social media. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.